0: where it gives space to talk about marginalized experiences, all the injustice in our modern day society and how to do better consciously this month is black history month so i obviously had to do something special and this month we are doing a series on black queer icons throughout the times we're talking about these people who've made such impacts on our history but are often forgotten about when we talk about history because they were queer so today we are going to talk about the late band rustin who was a key organizer for the march on washington that martin luther king is well known for a pacifist and open and an open gay man during the time where gay was not a sleigh. So he was born on March 17, 1912, so I'm thinking Taurus, in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and he was raised um, by his parents Julia and Jennifer Rustin when he believed that those were his parents but they were actually his grandparents. His grandmother was one of the few people who affirmed his sexuality by being quoted to care more about the type of men he dated than that he likes to date men, which honestly for the time is like really progressive and the only way to look at things because you know you care about the person not the person you know. And at the time, you know, being gay, you could go to jail for it and even be killed for it along with all the prejudice and homophobia. But she stood beside him and, you know, she, she's a real one for that. So Rustin attended, um, Wilberforce University in Ohio and then Chetney State Teachers College, now called the Chetney University of Pennsylvania. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. And both of these colleges are HBCUs historically black colleges as per as he should. So in 1937, he moved to New York City and started studied at the City College of New York and he got bamboozled and hoodwinked by the Young Communist League, which he was a part of for a while because he was drawn in by the progressive views on racial issues. But when the war came, the their views shifted and their focus completely shifted from their initial agenda that drew Baird Rustin in. So Baird left the organization swiftly, may I add that? So since the war was going on and there was a draft, Baird refused to be drafted, you know, as he should but then he was arrested under the charges of being a conscientious objector to being drafted and this this wouldn't be the first or last time he would be arrested. So after um, communism Um, with the Young Communist League, Bayer tried... Uh, socialism and got associated with the Fellowship of Reconciliation by A. J. Must, where they were championing peace, labor rights, and equality for all people, other than the gays. So he kept getting, he, you know, he kept he well, he kept kept getting scammed by these groups' mission statements. And after working there for ten years, he was fired after he got caught sleeping with a man in a car because at the time sodomy laws were a thing, and he was charged with sex perversion. I mean. Ridiculous so this shows us two things one The first being that there is nothing new under the Sun and people have been banging in cars since the 19th century We'd love to see it and the second is that he joined the wrong group again but however this time he got something out of the second group the the being in that space of activism, he met his mentor and longtime friend, Philip Randolph, who was one of the people that introduced him to Dr. King. In an encounter between MLK and Rusting in Dr. King's house in Montgomery, Alabama, Rustin saw the amount of guns that Dr. King had, and he was the one to slowly talk to him and appeal to him to start truly living an active life of pacifism. Now, we all know that Dr. King was a pacifist and would um, lead all these peaceful protests. However, as a black man who an activist he had to protect himself which is really very valid considering the time that he was living in and the situation that he would get himself in sometimes so the guns in his house are like completely valid however rustin believed that if you're gonna commit to something then you have to fully commit to it so he was one of the people who like slowly took king's hand and like guided him into like a true life of pacifism because he himself was a pacifist so King and Rustin began working together and he became the strategist and organizers to MLK's charisma and speech power so like they went together they were like yin and yang you know MLK had that charisma and people skills and he was the strategist organizer the person who made sure things were where they were supposed to do and happening the way they were supposed to happen so in 1960 the civil rights movement wanted to protest the democratic national party's convention because of their lackluster civil rights position but the democratic party said a black congressman post black congressman i repeat again adam powell to stop the march by threatening to accuse dr king of having an affair with rustin because rustin was openly gay like i said his grandmother supported it and he lived his life the way he chose and he lived his life openly and publicly so this adam powell guy was like oh if you protest i'm gonna say that you're sleeping with king which was not true king was married and rustin was not interested in king so The march didn't happen and King began distancing himself from Rustin as a political move that was followed by Rustin's reluctant resignation from the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, the SCLP. SCLC which was the backbone of Dr. King's platform and it was a really popular conference that a lot of black activists were a part of so he slowly resigned from that position and for Rustin according to his longtime partner at the time Walter Neagle the most painful part was that King did not stand up for he had expected him to have more of a backbone. And honestly, I did an episode talking about MLK and Malcolm X, and I talked about their pros and cons. And uh, to that episode, I would like to add this as a con. Because although it is a very reasonable political position, you know, um, doing whatever is right for you in your political campaign, it's also kind of a shitty thing to do for a friend because they were really good friends. And, you know, for him to convince MLK to truly live a life of passivism Oh my goodness Then there had to be a level of trust for him to really value his opinion like that So Rustin did not let that horrible ordeal stop his activism and continued championing for civil rights issues outside the SCLSC and continued working with Randolph since and since Rustin was such an asset to the civil rights movement without him, the movement wasn't quite the same. You know, if you're losing your key strategizer and organizer, it's it's not going to be the same without them. So um, the movement. During the Birmingham campaign of 1963, King began making amends and slowly trying to integrate Rustin back into the fold. Members like Roy Wilkins had a lot to say and were opposed to the plan set in place for Randolph to be appointed back into his position. So the plan was that Randolph would be appointed as director and Rustin would be his deputy. This would allow Rustin to run the whole march and campaign without putting him in the center stage which would have people coming for his neck as a gay man. So this campaign was successful and after that MLK and Rustin worked together for many years. After the assassin assassination of MLK, Rustin did not continue with the movement as the leadership was that was now in place considered him a liability. Nonetheless, he confined his he continued his activism and went on to speak at events for gay rights and civil rights too. And you know, in stories like these, a lot of people why wonder why he didn't just stay in the closet. But he he wasn't that kind of person. You know, if if everyone around, if, your corp, if you are something, then you shouldn't have to compromise who you are just to get political approval in whatever capacity. You know, he was black, he was gay, and he was a civil rights activist, and his duality is both unique and par- powerful. Rustin was a good man. He was hoodwinked and bamboozled by a couple, gu- by a couple groups, but at the end of the day, the March on Washington would not be successful without him. Bayard Rustin really believed in representation, and that's one of the reasons that he chose to live his life as an authentic self, despite the pushback, both legally and socially. And I think genuinely it is really important to talk about people like Rustin because he is such a beacon, and his existence affirms that gay people have been championing for so many different causes in many different crucial positions, but their contribution and existence has often more than not been erased and forgotten for the sake of public image and opinion. Because, you know, for... Again, as I have said, for white people to comprehend the nuance that comes with intersectionality, it, it's very difficult. Especially this is this was a man that was so close to MLK, and you know how them folks love MLK. So anything attached to him is like see with that nuance being attached to him through Rustin, they have no campaign or moral high ground to say that homosexuality has is like a new thing or something that the internet is spreading or whatever platform that they want to use and for public image and opinion my my opinion is like screw that you know black people have always been here black black queer people exist and they're valid and they have contributed so much to our current society that they deserve their flowers for the work that they have done and for the space that they have taken for to make the society a better place and, you know, these are instances where we see that representation truly does matter. And people like Baird Rusted means so much to the progress that has been made in the country in regard to civil rights. But he's also a light to activists all over the world who have a varying range of identities and orientation and parts of themselves that are used against them to discredit them and to undermine their value. You know, black history is always gonna be American history, and black queer people, black queer activists, and black queer people in any capacity have always and will always be part of our future. So. That is the story of the amazing Baird Rustin, and I am so honored that I got to present it to you. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of my Black History Month series. Tune in for the rest of the series where we're highlighting important Black queer icons and head over to our TikTok and Instagram where we're doing important facts about Black history this month. We are choosing as The American Funeral Podcast to be the one-stop shop for everything like history. Don't forget to follow our TikTok and Instagram at The American Funeral to keep up with and be a part of the conversation. I don't want to just see y'all in my views. I want to see y'all in my comment section making community and strengthening what this podcast really wants to achieve, which is community. I have been your lovely host, Kyla Wangeshi. If you like this episode, don't forget to check out our other episodes on Spotify. Catch up on the series, and don't forget to follow and check us out on every other day. Because this month, I am doing a series every Tuesday and every Thursday. Call it a Black History Miracle, Black History Month Miracle, if you will. So stay tuned, tune in, and stay woke. Have a happy Black History Month.